And then there are times where, almost despite ourselves, we lay things out in the open air and really look at what's going on for ourselves. It's this this idea of peeling away the layers of sticking plaster from earlier years, you know, getting in underneath. Welcome to the podcast that's all about deepening our self-awareness with profound self-compassion. I'm Henny. I write, coach and speak about how exploring our inner world can transform how we experience our outer world, all founded on a bedrock of self-love. Settle in and listen and see where the episode takes you. Generally speaking, with the podcast, I'm really clear about what it is that I want to talk about. And then at other times, I feel like an empty vessel. <laughs> I don't say that in a, in a kind of scary way, as in that kind of existential emptiness, but rather in a open, um, non-pushing, un, uh, unthoughtful, is that? It's not really the right word, but kind of, yeah, an open way. Emptiness as in I just feel open to whatever might come up. And I realized that I needed to to get uh, the episode recorded for this week. And I saw that I had a gap in my diary. And I thought, okay, I'll just come here and see what comes up. And as I was getting myself settled, I reflected on something that someone said to me a couple of weeks ago about maybe doing some exploration of some of the poetry in My Darling Girl and explaining or sharing what prompted me to write those particular words at that particular time. And I thought, oh, that's an interesting idea. And I started reflecting. And (laughs) the truth is, often I don't know. You know, once I've written the words, and I don't know whether you've ever experienced this as well, but when you've journaled, the very act of journaling actually helps sort of release whatever it was um, that sparked the journaling in the first place. And you can't even recall Um, what it was when you reflect back on it Um, or what the the, what the sort of situation was when you reflect back so instead I thought um, what I'd love to do is explore a couple of the themes from my darling girl because there are themes that run both through both of the books and today I'd like to focus on my darling girl too because It's this week that I'm sending out all of the orders from the first publication of her. And so she feels very present with me at the moment. And I open the book at random to see, well, what's the what's the first theme that is standing out? 
And it happens to be the piece of writing that is accompanied by um, the artwork from Emma Cabrera, who did the cover design. And it's a piece of artwork that I particularly love. And so I was I was curious about the fact that it's this particular poem that came up today. And I thought I could read it and and then just unpack it a little bit and see where that goes and see if it sparks any fresh reflections for you. And really, I suppose today is a chance just to relax, sit back. I mean, whether that's physical or metaphorical um, and just see where the words take you. So this is the poem on page 47, I think. I haven't got my glasses on, so I'm not sure. (laughs) And like every single one of them, it begins, My darling girl. My darling girl, it's been a while since you were here. Your heart has held her boundaries for all this time. Love and pain unentwined, no blur of confusion in your veins. Until here, here I see the walls have been breached again. Or rather, you have chosen to peel away the layers of sticking plaster from earlier years, designed to keep the stillness in and chaos out. You forgot they need to move about and forgot that life is best when they are allowed to flow. So, what is it you are seeking here? I see you are not asking to be stitched so you can get on and go. No, no, my love. This time I see you are opening the wound to see what healing brings. No, now, my love. You can bear the beauty and the pain of all these things. It's really funny, you know, you read something that you know you've written and yet the words feel like they've been written by somebody else and and actually even just as I read them now, it feels really resonant. <laughs> with me I wonder if it feels resonant with you too whether the timing of this is some kind of universal timing for those of us who are here together now this idea that there are moments in our life where we cover everything up where we push everything down where we suppress because we just don't have the space the time the inclination to examine what's actually going on for us and then there are times where almost despite ourselves we lay things out in the open air and really look at what's going on for ourselves it's this this idea of peeling away the layers of sticking plaster from earlier years, you know, getting in underneath 
what we might have used to cover up emotion, pain, memories, and and allowing the air to flow through what we've experienced rather than squashing it down under all that other stuff. And then this question, uh, this question that comes up, what is it you are seeking here? And, And I love that question because it's a reminder to us that even though it might feel deeply challenging to be laying ourselves bare, to be opening the wound, to see what healing brings, that even though so much of us might rail against that idea and, and try and stop ourselves from doing it. In our heart, we aren't asking to be stitched so we can get on and go. We are telling ourselves that we are able to bear the beauty and the pain of life and and that means being able to sit with everything that we're experiencing um, the beauty and the pain that's been a bit of a theme for me I, I can't remember whether I've mentioned that on the podcast but for the last several months I've been um, deepening my studying and doing a diploma in image work um, an image work is is basically a way of working in the subconscious um, in order to help ourselves effect deep and lasting change which is obviously the work that I do and um, and through my learning through my studying um, it's also been a very deep process for myself of course because we can't learn things unless we experience them Um, otherwise we're we're just someone who tells people about stuff rather than um, shares with compassion and, and understanding or self-awareness. Um, so I've been going through my own process of deepening my own self-awareness, deepening my own self-compassion, that's for sure. And part of that has been understanding that I can hold space internally for beauty and pain, um, for joy and sadness, you know, for the these things that are the two sides of the same coin, shadow and light, all of that stuff. And I'm also really curious about the fact that I wrote that particular piece quite a while ago, I mean, way before I started doing the diploma and and so it's just yet more um, evidence really if any were needed that the stuff that comes through to us through the work that we do this deepening of our self-awareness it's been bubbling along for quite a while before it becomes conscious thought. So on some level, I was already aware of this idea of 
holding space for the beauty and the pain of all these things. You know, I was already aware that I could bear <laughs> the beauty and the pain of all these things. And yet, and yet my conscious awareness of that still took some time to come through, even though my deepest, wisest self already knew it and had expressed it to me through that poem. I think that's a really curious thing and it's, it sort of reminds me of those moments when you, you look back on a journal or you look back on a piece of writing or maybe a letter that you had sent to somebody else, uh, perhaps an email that you'd written and and you read it and you go, oh gosh, I knew that then. I didn't realise that I knew that then. <laughs> I kind of love that and um yeah remembering remembering that we really know everything that we need to understand um in our subconscious hence the reason why i'm so fascinated with the image work actually because it helps us tap into that that deeper wiser self um which reminds me um don't forget if you want to come to the wisdom from within um, event in June need to get signed up um, take a look on Eventbrite or take a look at the link in the notes and, and I'll, I'll share a bit more at the end about that too and so that is one poem how was that? how was that exploration? oh and then there's this one um, which is also an illustration that I love. But to be honest, it doesn't really matter which page I open to. <laughs> I'm going to tell you I love the illustration <laughs> for obvious reasons because I chose them. Um, and I think this is on page 57. Hmm. Um, again, can't really see. And... It's interesting, actually, just looking at it. I mean, this was, again, was such a random page to open to. Yet it does feel as though it resonates with the poem that I just shared. And this idea of being willing to, to see ourselves, I suppose, if that's the that's really the connecting thread between the two. So this one goes, my darling girl, I can love you. I can light your way, shine full beam, share your burdens, take your hand when the sky is dark. I can stand beside you, stay here always, speak words of love Soothe your fear of the black dog's bark. I can hold you through it all. But, my darling child, I cannot love you for you. Only you can love yourself. Turn your gaze inside you. See all that I can see. Have faith in your true essence. And in your seeing, be. Oh, I love that. I find it so deeply comforting. This idea that 
with each of us, accompanying each of us, is this presence, this deep and abiding love that is always here for us. And, and in the largest letters imaginable, and it is also up to us to learn to love ourselves, to see ourselves in all our vulnerability, in all our magnificence, to see our pain and our joy, our beauty and our pain. And, and to remember that in that seeing, we are just as we are, and that is enough. And there's a line in here. Now, if you haven't been with the podcast for that long or haven't been with me for that long, then... Um, you may not be familiar with this reference to the black dog's bark. But one of the things that um, I've shared in the past is that I used to be very afraid of my anger. I used to be very afraid of this, this idea that perhaps if I ever actually allowed myself to, to be angry, that it would be... A consuming thing it would be something that I'd be rejected for it would be something I'd be abandoned um, by those who love me if they ever really knew that inside me there was this sense of anger and oh my goodness me I mean the shame that was attached to that and even as I say it now I can sort of feel the kind of the the memory of the resonance of that sense um and and really um, what most helped me, and actually it comes back to image work actually, because without knowing it, that was kind of what I did when I connected with that, that part of me that was afraid of the anger and the part that was the anger, um, was I came to see that anger or that part as a black dog and what I realized was that actually it's the part of me that protects me and it's the part of me that um, protects others it's the part that stands up to injustice or unfairness it's the part that got me into trouble at times at school and um, made me speak out at work and um it's not a part of me that is anything to be frightened of or ashamed of or embarrassed about. You know, anger can be a good thing. Um, it's just about, I suppose, you know, supplies to so many of our parts, not allowing it or not um, coming into a place where it is the dominant part, um, where we're not led by the parts but we're led by our deepest wisest adult self that can be a tall ask sometimes <laughs> it's all a work in progress um but that line in this poem 
I can stand beside you, stay here always, speak words of love, soothe your fear of the black dog's bark. It's in reference to that. And it's funny, I I think, you know, I wrote so many of these poems such a long time ago um, that it's it feels good to be reminded of um, moments when when that support was needed and and this this wise all loving presence was there to soothe that fear it's just that sometimes we forget don't we um we forget it's there so um so there we go I think that might be the end of today or maybe one more you know if you're enjoying this stay with me oh gosh and this one this one okay yeah one more so this is from page 21 I think and again I really love the illustration it is um multicolored brush strokes uh, coming down from the the top of the page coming down and then fading almost like they're sort of dripping in color down the down the page um and it begins i don't know if you, oh that's very interesting i don't know if you can hear but in the background there is a dog barking maybe in direct connection with the um the black dog's bark reference earlier Anyway, my darling girl, pushing up against the window of desire, nose pressed against the pane, fingers spread to grip and grasp what lies on the other side. In your yearning for those glittering delights, what do you see, my love? The candy land of what's beyond, losing sight of the sweet light that lives inside you now thinking only of what you've not, not owning all that is. Come and see, my love. Take my hand, let's slip through this looking glass and look out onto the bright colour of your own self shining in. Can you see, my love, the wisdom you have gathered, trails of iridescent crystals tumbling from your hands, the song lines of your life woven in your hair, the love that blooms in your eyes, your lips, your cheeks, your ever-expanding glow. Looking out, I find the view is irresistible. Do you see, my love? The sweetest sugar sits within, the you who's looking in. Mm. And so, of course... This is about not losing sight of ourselves as we push up against the window of desire. Not losing sight that we are actually enough. We hold the sweetest sugar within us and there is no need to look outside of ourselves for 
what will make us more worthy, more valid, more whatever it is. Hmm. There we go. That feels enough. I'm sending you love and a hug and a wave. <laughs>